Hey everyone, welcome back to the Purpose Podcast. Um, today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Debbie Armenius. Debbie, hello, how are Hi. you? Hi, Christina and Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, how are you going? Good, good. Good. Um, two hours late. <laughs> two hours late, that's okay. Classic Daniel. Um, just a little bit of background um, for those of you who don't know Debbie. Um, so for the last 20 years, she's headed up Exodus Youth Works um, and it provides service for um, lots of people, um, people who are affected by homelessness, unemployment, domestic and family violence, mental health, addiction, um, exclusion from the community as well, I guess, and mm, all sorts of things. Um, so today we're going to be speaking about ministry with Debbie. Um, so I guess we'll just start off. Um, so obviously we're about purpose here at the Purpose Podcast. Mm. Um, so did you feel like Exodus was your purpose? And if so, how did you get to that oh, point? That's a good place to start, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, we started really in Africa so we were traveling to Africa 26 years ago. Young Australians were going there for some outreach and community service. And on returning, some of them thought, well, you know, we can't always go to Africa. I think we're 55, 56 trips down now. Yeah. So it's crazy. Hundreds mm. have gone. Mm -hmm. And they came back and they're the ones that said, gosh, I think we've got a purpose here in this country as well. Mm. And I said, sure. Where does what does that look like? And they said, well, let's just hang out in the park. So the purpose was really hanging out in the park with a couple of guys with a, a shisha that had been cranked up hours <laughs> before and um, some very fragrant uh, tobacco was on that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I suppose I, I, if, if you tell me now, you know, let's go back 20 years, I, I the purpose would be too big mm -hmm. and I think it was – Purpose just starts out with just being able comfortably to do something. Yeah. And has ended up a purpose, yes. Mm -hmm. mm. For an easy, yeah. Can we rewind, like, from that point, like, 20 <laughs> years, even earlier, or, like, 15 years? Yeah. So, like, you were going to Africa. What led you to go to Africa? Like, you know, you've... I, I only found it recently that you've actually, like, you're an Australian background. You, you have no... Like, you're not Egyptian at all. And Can you see me? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes like there's like a mix that happens, and then I, I don't, I don't know. Oh, it must be a big mix. <laughs> because someone like someone who like serves in our community, like to the extent that you do, it just didn't cross my mind that they wow. wouldn't be Egyptian. So oh. I think I just assumed like I'm like oh, okay, she's a, like wow. a funny looking Egyptian, you know, like <laughs> it doesn't look Egyptian at all. Yeah, so nice like like get us to that point, you know, of, yes. of where you how you started getting into the African stuff in the first place. I'd have to go back even further then. So yeah. when I was in a local high school, public high school, uh, there was a girl that was Egyptian. Mm. And um, that's, that's the door into the church. So I was baptized at 15 at the old St. Mary's Church in Sydney. Mm. I'm cutting a lot out. But, um, <laughs> so you weren't religious before no them? no no my goodness no mm. so my father's family have some we're fifth generation yeah so four of my an ancestors uh, <laughs> were on the first fleet so <laughs> you know highway robbery wow. you know the top five yeah. top four really <laughs> so they all arrived as convicts um and then from there uh, one of them's very famous for opening the first uh, beer the brewery mm. we were the first so that's for us. <laughs> um, and then, so I went to school with an Egyptian, fell into an Egyptian family, 
uh, I was baptized at 15. How that happened, Amber Antonius Moros, who was the bishop in oh, South... Yeah. He was the Africa bishop. Mm. He was the bishop for mission. Mm-hmm. And he was here because he used to oversee Australia as part of his um, diocese, really. Uh, Pope Shenouda had it, but he would send Amber Antonius. So then I had my confession and I was introduced into orthodoxy through his grace. And then at the time... Sorry sorry to cut you off. When you said you were baptised at 15 and the bishop introduced you to orthodoxy, so were you not baptised orthodox? No. No, I was actually baptised nothing. So I'm not really from a Christian family. Yeah. You know, they're Aussies. Yeah, Mm. right. Okay. But... um, the background Scandinavian, so crazy Vikings, and then mixed mm. up with a couple of crazy Irishmen and uh, married to a Saidi. So <laughs> <laughs> the outcome, <laughs> the outcome was perfect. Yes. Yeah, so, so that baptism at 15 wasn't into the, the Coptic Orthodox Church? Yes, it was Coptic Orthodox. Oh, it was. Co- sorry. Oh, okay. sorry. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, it was. Uh, we were, my father's family are sort of part Jewish. Mm. And my mum's family were Irish Catholic and uh, then pagan, whatever. Mm. So when they were here, we were never introduced to church, actually. And so when I started going, um, the liturgy was all in Arabic. Mm -hmm. There were no uh, books uh, printed. Mm -hmm. The only copy we had was a typed, on a typewriter, pieces of paper that was stapled, and that was mine. <laughs> My confession was uh, translated for about five years. Wow. Mm. So there's three people walking around that could blackmail me. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, so I was later married um, at uh, 18 and a half, and then I went straight into Sunday school teaching because my kids sort of grew up at St. Mary's. Then we, we bought St. Mark's, and we went there for a little while, and then we moved to St. George. Like why? Like why? Yeah. Like you could be a Christian into like a church that's more culturally familiar to you. I mm. mean, like confessing is hard enough, and then translating that confession. Mm. Like why the Coptic Orthodox Church? Why not like any other? Church? Yeah, I remember a conversation we were having. Um, it was El Ruz, so Coptic New Year at Hurstville Civic Center years ago, and Exodus had a table. And someone from Egypt who'd just arrived, and I do speak Arabic, I read and write Arabic, mm. and sort of I'd make a really good spy in the next life. Wow. <laughs> so he walks up and he says, Ida il exodus. And the girl next to me in Arabic replied, Oh, it does this. And he said, Well, who's the foreigner in mm. Arabic? So I said, Oh, the foreigner in Arabic. <laughs> and he goes, Hey, you are into, you know, anti, who are you anyway? So I, Australian, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but you can't be Coptic. And I go, really? Why is that? And he said, because you're not Egyptian and you're not Coptic. I go, but you guys baptized me, so it's your fault. (laughs) He said, well, you could be Russian. I said, but I'm not Russian (laughs) either. (laughs) So So looking back, I mean, after, you know, 45 years of um being coptic and being i don't know anything else mm. so 15 years of nothing and then 45 years of being coptic orthodox like i taught coptic orthodox studies mm. in the schools like i know it like i know nothing else so i think looking back when i look back down the path god led me very clearly and he you know he maneuvered things around me and landed me where I should be. So mm-hmm. I think the purpose was back in the day, even when I was, I was only 18 and a half, I was just married. 
and there were two young guys in the Coptic, and there was only St. Mary's Church, both heroin addicts. And so, God bless uh, Abuna Musa Solomon, he said, uh, you talk to them, you know about these things. I'm like, why is that? <laughs> and he goes, you're Australian. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So Exodus really did start way back then, but God was preparing me because if you mm. dump Exodus on anyone now, mm-hmm. <laughs> they would end up in hospital. <laughs> so, so he took it slowly. Was that the natural progression for Exodus then, do you feel? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yep. Mm. Yes, yes. And yes. was there a need for it back then as well? Absolutely. 20 years ago? We, well, in the 80s, in the late 70s and 80s, we had heroin, people were dying from heroin all the time Mm -hmm. so we haven't seen it for a couple of years I sort of took over the scene Mm -hmm. but the last two months we've had three clients that are on heroin Mm -hmm. it's come back because the ice has been sort of um there's some things going on in the street okay yeah yeah so in terms of your the service you were doing before exodus and the service that you're doing now which you which is exodus um (laughs) do you feel like there's a difference between service and ministry because serving in a coptic orthodox church is different to ministering to people outside of the coptic orthodox church or the church in general do you feel like there's a difference i don't actually i find them so i've been sort of mentored by father greg uh, boyle who is head of homeboy industries in LA. Mm. So I came across this guy who's just, he's just amazing mm. of outreach. Mm-hmm. He's the king of outreach. Is he an, an Orthodox priest? No, or no, from... he's a Jesuit Catholic ah. priest. But um, if you read his book, Tattoos on the Heart, if anybody reads this book, you will be at my door tomorrow. <laughs> you would not want to miss out on this stuff. Mm. But like, he's Exodus on steroids, <laughs> 35 years in. And he deals with uh, Latino gang members in L.A. Now, we don't have anyone of that calibre in this country. Mm. Like Chopper Reed probably yeah. would come close, but he's not a gang, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're something. So we always go across. We we have a big global conference. We do attend. Our guys go that side. I spend all my time that side with them mm. for the time. And, no, I think biblically... Mm. The church is in the street. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have it any. I mean, I've taught Sunday school. I've done youth work ministry in the church. I was superintendent of Sunday school in the Coptic church. I've done mission in the Coptic church. I've been to Africa 55, 56 times. We have a exodus in Cape Town, South Africa. We mm-hmm. have exodus in London with uh, his eminence, uh, Amber Angelos. Mm-hmm. So... No, it it is the church. Mm. It's so the church. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think it was Amangelos, he came and he said something like, if if Jesus was here, like Mm. on earth, like this would be the place that he hangs out, you know. This would be the place that he spends most of his time. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for any service in the world. Anything. Mm. I I love Sunday school. I love youth ministry. But... um, you see Christ every day, even people who are not religious. So we do serve non-Christians. We serve every every race under the sun. Um, and they, they're the ones who go, oh, my goodness, that just happened. That's your God, right? Mm. And you think, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> yes, he's he's... He's, he's, you won't see him in icons. I think David's been there and you don't see a lot of icons. Mm. Uh, you don't see a lot of people looking. Um, you, c- you can feel him and smell him, but you, 
it doesn't come across like that. Mm. He's so very real to us, very mm. real. Uh, yeah, it's great. Mm. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to meet Christ, you know, do service that's outside of the realm of comfortable. Mm. Go somewhere where you're super uncomfortable and you've got nothing. You bring nothing, and He brings everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think then it's important, like, if I'm serving? Mm. But my service is limited to a church. Mm. Do you think it's important to have like, because this is your mission and it has been your whole life, mm. I think it's important to yeah. have like a long standing like ministry in my life or is just serving inside the church enough? I think serving Christ and he's everywhere. Mm. So I don't know if that answers your question. Mm. Some of us will be, you know, in Judea and some will be at the end of the world, mm. but that's how it is. He's everything. We need both working. We need yeah. the margins and we, we need the church to be strong and healthy and open. So Exodus to us is just like a net. So the people that disengage with parish life or those who are searching for Christ, mm. we capture them. Mm. But what we rely on is for the church to fish back. Mm -hmm. So we can hold them for some time in a net. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you want to re-engage them in parish life, re-engage them in sacrament, we're not a church. Mm -hmm. We're just a net. Yeah. So you must be healthy. You must be working. And your face must be turned outward. And the church really, um, St. John Chrysostom speaks about um, outreach or mission mm. or community service as being the backbone of Christian of the Christian church. Mm. So Sunday school is like a rib and youth ministry is a rib and seniors is a rib. But unless we are engaging and looking outward, mm -hmm. that's what the gospel was about. Mm. So it must do that. Mm. It must. Mm. That's something I've been um, like, I, I don't know why in the last like six months, it's been something mm. that's like, always kind of in my mind that I've been struggling with that thought. It's like, mm. Like we always talk about, and the guys here you know I hate like the term like you know like service or being a servant, you know. Mm. Um, and when you look at like service at church, it, particularly coming from St. Mark's, you know, it's wild. It's you know there's so mm. much going on, you know, doing visitations and all that stuff. But the the thing that like the tension that I feel, not that my thoughts matter, but like, is that there's not much. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like like it's serving our own, like whoever's already inside. Yeah. And then when I start kind of going into that critical thought, I'm like, wait, but hold on. It's those people who are inside that then go outside and then start. So it's like, we need, you know, but we need to kind of like serve our own so that these 100%. people can go out. But then, then I start thinking, well, I don't know how much of that going out is there. I <laughs> guess, I guess. All right, let me, let me put it, let me put it in a, um, in a more English. cohesive, yeah, yeah like understanding. You were saying that, you know, like you see Exodus as the net to mm. bring back to the church that mm. kind of link between the net and the church is yeah. that is there a link there because absolutely uh, yeah yeah absolutely is that link developed because what i'm trying to get at is like it's getting better if that's is, what you're aiming it was miserable before mm. <laughs> yes, because the, in the, the early days miserable yeah how so we as a community don't like change mm. and so exodus came out of the mid feet just you know where like who would we were meeting in a park and we were meeting with pit like no and it's hard for us even even for me to understand what was the problem there was a problem for a little while but that's long gone it's in the days of past and mm. no now 
a lot of our work comes from referrals from priests from every parish in this country plus you know Victoria plus New Zealand you know we have we go everywhere Queensland we're running conferences we do domestic violence um training and whatever so yeah it it's so strong now and it's getting stronger and that is a healthy place mm. we must have that working mm. yeah how, how did you overcome the resistance in the beginning because there must have been a lot of resistance like you said yeah yes of course anything new there's resistance mm. um you just put your back to the wheel and don't look <laughs> it was to, it was so clear to us we just we heard god's calling and we thought no we're going to do this and uh, we did mm-hmm. and 20 years down we're almost 20 years mm. it's like yeah okay that's what we had to do mm. yeah okay. i don't know if i could do it again but <laughs> <laughs> yes but you know in the early days why it's called exodus and this might answer your mm. question as to how it all fits together so when the boys and they were boys at the time 18 19 year olds there were half a dozen of them and it began the first night we met there were like five or six at the shisha park and then it went to 10 and then it went to 20 and then it went to 30 and then it went to 40 pouring rain two years outside rain or shine we would meet from about seven till about one or two in the morning we just hung in that park Mm. and that was great but we overgrew that easily and then we ended up in a building and we ended up here and we ended up there and then we rented a place Mm -hmm. in Ramsgate so what are you going to call this thing like it didn't have a name Mm. and the boys were thinking about it thinking about it and then they said uh, exodus we like exodus because the people we want are in the wilderness and we want to if you take the story of exodus in the bible and you take the story of Moses and the people of God they walked for 40 years when it should have taken them three months from A to to B 40 years and they relapsed and that's exactly what was happening with the people we were serving Mm. we'd get them a certain distance but then they would especially if it was drug and alcohol related or addiction related Mm. they would relapse but we were always walking with them even if it was a circle to to reach the promised land to reach a place of safety for them, whatever that looks like. So maybe not all of them will end up back in a Coptic Orthodox Church liturgy, confessing and having the sacraments. Maybe not. However, they will reconnect with Christ Mm. and they will see him in the way we wash their feet and the way we just, we don't give up. Mm. Like I've just had an absolute, I think David saw me last week, we'd had this case that this guy really came at me like it was a tough one Mm. and you think okay we know that he'll disengage with us he's not well so he'll disengage he'll move away six months time i'll get a call hey deb Uh, hey mate as if nothing had happened Mm. and we try again and that's exodus it was just in the wilderness that's interesting i thought it would be like related to deliverance from egypt but it's actually about the wilderness <laughs> well no actually you're pretty spot on daniel if we take us further back any addiction any trauma in your life is actually a slavery mm. you're caught in slavery mm. so you're you're in bondage of whatever's holding you back from reaching the promised land and so the uh, israelites were slaves 
And we can be slaves to ourselves, we can be slaves to an addiction, we can be slaves to the media, we can be slaves to pornography. And you, you want freedom. You do want freedom. But when you get freedom, what happened to the people in the wilderness was that they became insecure and then they built idols. Oh, you made us suffer. We'd be better off under the addiction mm. or under the... It's the same story. Mm. And so it fits. We actually have a Bible study that lasts for the 40 chapters and... 40 chapters, yes. And... Um, going through the story and everyone that's in that bible study that does that particular set bible study it's like oh my gosh this is us it's me <laughs> mm. yes yeah. mm. so you're spot on i think <laughs> now going back to, <laughs> to what i was asking when i'm saying the link between the net and the church i don't i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah so I, I i didn't mean as in how good of a job is Exodus doing in terms of bringing people back to the church? What I meant was, is how good of a job is the church doing? And when I say mm. church, I mean the building. How good yeah. of a job are we doing in enabling that link? Because so like when I go to church, I don't see like people who would have come from Exodus. And I'm like, well, they, they wouldn't you really... You don't know that. Yeah, you That's don't true. know that. That's mm. true. So I'll tell you a really, really tough story. So, you know, we have youth all over in... in really tough situations and um there was a young lady that was you know unfortunately mixed up with prostitution and the church couldn't reach her you couldn't walk into that place mm. you couldn't you could you could not she wanted nothing to do with us and she she was forgotten so i made a point of making a uh, buddies with the guy that owns the place he's not far from us so I'd rock up with, you know, bottled water and free stuff and he, Vince and me were good mates for a while there, trying to sort of crack it. You know, I knew that she was not far. She was there. Anyway, uh, God had his way and she, she happened to end up at Exodus. Now, you will not recognize that girl if she's standing in your church today. Mm. And I, I, you know, when I see her, you know, it's like, hi, but I don't make a point of uh, singling her out because no one knows mm. and that's how it should be mm. Mm. so the church we could all all of us all of all the servants outside and in and margins and sunday school we could all do better so um how could we do better oh gee open our hearts and our lives simple as that we have the time mm. we really do we just we indulge ourselves. You do, you could op, you could serve twenty four seven. You really could. Mm. There's enough people outside, mm. Mm. and people beyond this flock, like our Bible studies. You know, you take a snapshot. You could find a Jewish person, two Muslim people, someone who doesn't even know Christ, and then a couple of cops. Mm. And you think. How could that possibly be? I, I'm giving the Bible, so I'm thinking, how is that possible? <laughs> how did we manage to pull this off when there's that combination? Mm. But if Christ and his love for you is there, ah, they'll hear it. Mm. You know. Can I ask a question? Um, going back to what you were saying before, because you were talking about how like um, lots of people like come to you and then they relapse and then they come to you and then mm. they realize so they're, they're in and out of exodus yeah. as a servant in this ministry 
isn't that like a little bit upsetting? Like, do you feel like you're being fruitful when you f- they're coming and going, coming and going? Like, isn't that hard to keep like your spirits up? Because you're such a happy person. But like, if it was me, I'd just be like, what am I like? What am I doing? Like, even yeah. in your 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 own service, it's hard. No, we're not called to be successful. We're mm. called to be faithful. Mm. Mm. And I did. Somebody asked me. Yeah, someone asked me one day. Um, what are your KPIs? <laughs> I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> tell me yours. It was actually someone from the clergy. I said, tell me yours. From the clergy. I mean, who knows who approaches you on a Sunday? Only God knows the heart of men. Mm. So you could have a hundred people having communion. Who's worthy? Actually, none of them. Yeah. Biblically, no one is mm. worthy. Mm. So is that success? How do you measure that? You might have a Muslim person who is, you know, gosh, a, a better knowing God, but he cannot take it any further because it's dangerous for him. Mm. Or, it, you know, or it could be someone who just comes to the realization of Christ. We plant seeds, some of us water, some of us harvest. Mm. I don't see everyone that, you know, if you go back in the Coptic school, you know, 20 years ago, we planted seeds then. And sometimes I see them, but sometimes I don't. Mm. And you will plant seeds, but you are not entitled to see it finished. Mm. So you just do your work. Mm. What else are you doing? Mm. We've got nothing else to do. Mm. So, mm. yeah. That's very sobering because I think, um, I- I'm assuming that if I think that, then maybe someone else out there thinks that. But <laughs> it's kind of like the whole, the goal is... When it comes to like evangelism and service, mm. I feel like, at least in my heart, it's not really about the person. Mm. It can actually be about me. Mm. Like mm. having that trophy person that I take into youth meeting and like, oh, guys, look what I brought in or whatever. Or like, <laughs> trophy, look at yeah. her. You know, like that kind yeah. of that kind of attitude. So I think maybe that's where like sometimes that, you know, like I don't mean to criticize, but that maybe that KPI <laughs> attitude like could have crept in from you mm. know um because I, I i to some degree do have that you know like i think about like you know christ christ's final commission to the apostles is yeah. um you know like make disciples you know baptize them and i'm mm. like i'm like not even close mm. the closest i consider is mm. um like i serve at saint luke's so at least i try to help those who actually do that to like mm. some kind of degree like I'm, I'm still by the way i'm still taken back about how you manage to to get to this um to this like as ingrained into the coptic church despite all these like uh, like i'm still like like in shock like uh, how i mean we've set up a whole church uh, yeah. to try overcome even the slightest like Ishlil doesn't exist because mm. god forbid you know someone hears that and like freaks out you know so like i mean <laughs> well, and you went through all that that's like yeah look back in uh, i've been doc i've been sort of archiving a lot of paperwork because everything was on paperwork and i was just telling the guys before kimi radio we did Kimi Radio for 12 years, which is a live program, and it was pre-recorded in the beginning. And we used to go to air every week and think, oh, my gosh, who's listening? This is a total waste of time. And then I can I can hand you the piece of paper because it's in my office today where we got this letter from this person saying, I listen, thank you. And it was not a Coptic person. Mm. And we go, all right. <laughs> You let it go, like do it because it's a calling and do it because you love it and you're passionate and you have gifts, obviously. Do it and then let it go. 
But is it enough to just show love? Like, I feel like in my personal life, I work mm. in an area where it's like mostly non-Christian people. All the better. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like I spend half an hour with them and that's all I have. And I'm, I never speak about God because mm. I just feel like... I'm I don't not, think you have to. St. Yeah. Francis used to send his, his monks out and say, you know, go and preach to the world. And if you have to, use words. words yeah. We like that at Exodus. Mm. We shouldn't have to speak that and I know if someone had have come to me you know at 15 or 16 or 17 or and started preaching my goodness I'd run a mile yeah I'd run a mile Mm. and I think it was just great that it probably was in another language (laughs) (laughs) yes but do you think it's like normal to feel like you can do more or like that you should do more to to sort of like bring someone to the faith, like to have a trophy or whatever, like is that a normal feeling to have? I, gosh, as, not as a trophy, but certainly you know that when you're in Sunday school and you hear the lesson about your cup runs over, mm. it's that feeling. Mm. It's like you, okay. So when the apostles were put into jail and they were released and they're standing on steps of freedom, and they were told, listen. All you have to do is mm. just don't say anything. Just don't do anything. Yeah. And they said, how can we but not speak mm. of things that we have seen? Mm. When it's like that, it's like, mm. why not? you can't not mm. do it. Mm. You can't not have the extra or, or walk the extra mile mm. or, you know. It's within you. It's there. Mm. It, yes, yes, yes. It's mm. definitely there. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean you get tired, but at work, we always, you know, it is sometimes tough and you mm. get hit in the head most days. But, mm. um, <laughs> oh, gosh, when you see it work, I, I, you chase it. Mm. it. It just has to happen once and that's it. It's <laughs> like, yeah, we're doing this again. Mm. We have to do this again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And the grace of God is, whew, you know, it's unlimited and powerful and Mm. real it's real i think in service and ministry a lot of the time we put like a lot of pressure on ourselves and we feel like i have to do it all on my Mm. own it's just me and that's not the case at all you do like a little bit god uses you a little bit and then he does the rest absolutely yeah yeah getting back to st luke so Mm. 2005 we had about probably 50 families mixed families that were gathering at we had the liturgies at st mark's and we were trying to integrate them into the Coptic church. We tried twice, actually. Twi- the 2005, it was done. Mm. It was finished. It couldn't, couldn't, couldn't happen. Not because they weren't willing. They were very willing. But we as the congregation weren't. Mm. We couldn't accept them in. Things are a little better now, I feel. I mean, St. Luke's exists for heaven's sakes, mm. gosh. And so it should. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, 65 years ago, 65 years ago, uh, His Grace Bishop Marcos from Egypt travelled to Johannesburg and all he took with him was a Bible and the 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 um, things for the liturgy and a procession cross. And he baptised a couple of Zulu people And then three years later, he went back to Egypt and he died. Mm. And there was a gap of 50 years. I know those people that were baptized. And there are thousands now. 
And when you hear the liturgy in Zulu, the tune is slightly off because they played Chinese whispers because they didn't have ah. a recording. Mm. They knew it, but mm. how can you hold it for 50 years? Mm. Ah, but you left us, you know, nobody came and found us. Mm. When Amber Antonius came back 50 years later, that deacon, he'd been continuing and having baptisms and marriages and <laughs> liturgies and... He said, but you're not a priest. And he said, no, but you didn't send anybody. <laughs> so he immediately bept, uh, ordained him a priest. And oh. that man, who <laughs> was nice. 99 years, he's just died this year. Oh. And his two sons are priests. Oh. Yeah, and you're talking tribes, tribes and tribes. Mm. Kenya, tribes, because mm. of, you know. So... Mm. Yeah, we we have been we are an evangelical church. We are. Look at St Mark for heaven's sakes. Mm. St Mark wakes up one morning in Libya over cornflakes and says, "I'm going over the border." <laughs> and his mother goes, "What to those pagans?" <laughs> and you people sit here saying, "Oh, we're Orthodox," but you were not always. You were pagans. Mm. So. With um, I forgot what I was going to ask. I had like a. Really it was on the tip of your tongue for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, it was literally there. When um when it comes to like serving people, do is the goal like is the intention to take care of that person because like you love them and regardless of you know where they end up whether it's with Christ or not you just mm. do it or like is the ultimate goal you know to bring them to Christ and and the question that I'm trying to tie into that is the whole idea of like am I saved just because you know I'm a good person. You know, mm. if I do nice things, then, you know, that's my key to salvation. Or, like, is there a particular, like, angle that's being taken when, when like, looking out for people? Uh, we, oh, for me personally, and we try and share that, my, if, if my purpose has been to serve, then I will serve to my capacity mm. as best I can. And... Through that, how I became knowledgeable of God is because I said to someone, the girl I was going to school with, you've got something that I don't have and I can't even name it. There's something about your family a bit different. I now know what it is, but back then I didn't. So I want people to ask that. Hmm. I want people to say, why do you do that? Why do you bash your head against the wall every day? Why why don't you just give up? Why don't you? And, like, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I go, ah, oh, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't jump. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and then when that happens, and that's the only thing, all I am to do is to be salt to the earth and light to the world and what happens after that, let it be. Mm. Because someone else will pick that up. Mm. Maybe you introduce someone to Christ and then you're out of the picture and then ten years later... They're in hospital, loved one, and they begin to pray and a priest walks in and it's done. Yeah. But I'm not called to, to, to talk about time. Mm. No. It's, it is about what I am have been created for, fulfilling that, and let him do the rest. Mm. Mm. So now after 20 years, you have that within you. What if I'm just starting out? Is it important to find a purpose in ministry or how do I find that purpose? Because you're so headstrong in what you want. Some people call stopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> that did help. <laughs> but how do I get to a point where I'm as 
headstrong of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want that. <laughs> um, look, things like this, <clears throat> service like mm. this is certainly the way to go through and find your way. Mm. It, it's purpose-driven life. If you want to get it, it's a good book. Apply <laughs> it. It's 40 chapters. It's great. Rick Warren. You could mm. do that. Mm. You could have, um, you know, workshops where you – it starts out by looking at your identity. Who are you? Your fingerprints are unique to you. You've been created for a purpose. Mm. So the body of Christ is, you know, eyebrows and ears and hands and feet and nails and which bit are you? Mm. What have you been blessed with? So what are your talents and your gifts? Mm. Often that's a place to start. Mm. And then through your guide, your confession father, your mentor, he says, okay, you're really good at talking, mm. do a podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Mm. And that's where you go. Mm. And you just keep adding to it. Because mm. if you do it and you do it wholeheartedly and you do it for the glory of God, uh, you he will add to that. Mm. He'll add mm -hmm. and he'll add and he'll add and he'll keep adding. Mm. Yes. Okay. And is that's it? where it leads. Mm. But it is time and it's a journey. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm um so we work full time. Mm. Um, Christina's married, you know. I'm about to get married, and like just the idea of, like, it it, it just feels like it's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> he needs counselling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dana, is he guys? Um, yeah. So, mm. and then to to think about doing like. How do I dedicate mm. my whole life mm. to God and to serving people mm. when my nine to five is sales? And I actually feel like my service is hitting my number because my like director will just like lose his mind. Like it's like, <laughs> like that's my like head my team. You know? <laughs> that's my service. You know, <laughs> just so you don't stress out. Yeah. Um, that's my nine to five. And even afterwards, you know, it's kind of turning in my mind. And then you know, you you come, you have a home that you need to tend to. Mm. How do you dedicate like? your life to something outside of that like what well, like my two hours a week like no but it shouldn't be okay there are two kinds of bishops maybe this helps there's the bishop of a diocese and that's your parish life type bishop and then evangelical or mission bishops see the world as their diocese mm. see the difference mm. Mm. The world is our diocese. The world is our faith. The world is our church. So it doesn't matter where you are, nine to five. It doesn't matter that for a period of time you're going to be home with your kids. If you produce children that are strong in Christ, you've, you've, the next 50 years in this country will have t a child or two or three or four that can carry the word. So you guys sit here after 2,000 years of Christianity, of people carrying a faith like a, a, a relay race mm. a, with a baton. Mm. You have the baton in your hand now. Your responsibility is to get it so right that your children will carry it further. So I suppose I'll ask you the question, why did your family come here to Australia? I guess the ultimate reason is for their kids, like me. Yeah. You were born here? Yeah, I was born here. So they came for a better life, mm. safety, yeah. less oppression. Mm. Okay. I'll tell you that's good and it's true. 
you were also sent here for us. So what happened in Egypt, God allowed so that you would pack your bags and find a better home. So your parents could ask the same question that you just asked. So we have a family and we have to work and we have to find a safe house and we have to travel and migrate. Guess what? You just did it for us. Mm-hmm. You were serving. They were serving. So your work, your family is a church. Your, your life is a church. Your life is the fifth gospel. How many gospels? Trick question. How many How many Gospels? <laughs> Five. Five, know, yes, that's right. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But if I don't have a Bible at home, I don't know those four. I will see, I will be reading the Gospel of Daniel or the Gospel of Christina. And I'm going to turn and say, why are those people different? Or will I turn at the red lights when you swear at me because I cut you <laughs> off? Say, oh, those Christians, that's who they are. That's that guy on the cross. They really are not very patient. They're really, you know, I was on taking my wife to hospital and you thought I was cutting you off, but you didn't cut me any slack. You just yelled and screamed and swore at me. So who are you? We, we were created for a purpose. Your identity is exactly who it should be. So whether it's in sales and KPIs and whether it's getting married in a couple of weeks or, you know, <laughs> having 10 kids, that's it. That's your service. That is, that is your service. Mm. And it, it's, it's intertwined with us. Does that help? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I, I guess I just feel like I'm, you know. I think like I get A you. little bit. Uh, you just feel like you, you see some people and you just feel like my life is like like a little bit pathetic in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> yes. As in, in a sense no. of like. It's just like self-serving and yep. like, when am I going to have kids? Oh, okay, well, I don't want to be renting when I have kids, so let's get the property. When you look about like, when like what you just said about my parents, like that's so true, you know, like in my, like we've got nothing to escape from. Like, mm. and then like I always told Dana, like what am I going to look back at? Like, oh, you know, I've raised kids and, you know, mm. like I got a place and like, <laughs> like I like, had no impact. And I guess I kind of envy you a little bit in that like, oh, no. like there's something... <laughs> You know, and it might be like, and it might be like a selfish thing again, where like I just want to have you know something to show for, kind mm. of thing. But, um, but like, this is the thing. This is the parable of the five wise virgins. We all start out equal. Mm. We all have a, a bank of oil, but in the end, you can't buy more from me. I, my life is mine. My purpose is mine. Mm. Your purpose is yours. Mm. We're individual. Don't envy. Just find your purpose. Mm. It's there, but it's yours. You can't live mine. I can't live yours. You don't want to be me. You really don't want to be me. <laughs> you don't. Mm-hmm. I can't say it enough. Uh, because sometimes I don't want to be me. <laughs> and look, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got, you've got a lot going. You've got so much. And if you give it back to God, he will bless that. And multiply it and just wait and see what he does. But what you said is important. We're self-serving. Make sure you don't Mm. self-serve. In Africa, you see an amazing amount of generosity. When you've got nothing, it's easier to give. I don't know what it is. So we give from our abundance so it doesn't hurt. Mm. So I've got a hundred bucks in my pocket. I'll give you ten. I'm not going to suffer. 
but give, if I give you 90, I am going to suffer. That's the message of Christ. Mm. I have everything and I'll give you myself and I will suffer. That's really what it's about. So always look for that, always. And teach your kids that. I've got really good Christian friends who are not Coptic. Um, they've got three kids and they're all ministers, all of them now, the kids, all of mm. them. And growing up, because we homeschooled our kids together, we were Christian homeschoolers, and um, she always ever, she would buy one Mars bar and she would split it three. She would say, she wouldn't do it. She'd say, here's one Mars bar, split it. Three ways. Yep. What? She could afford three Mars bars. That's not enough. <laughs> yes, oh my it God. is actually. <laughs> one packet of chips. One packet of chips. Always. That's what she did. And then, you know, they'd say, well, can't we have one each? And she'd say, well, here's the $2. The $2. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send it to, I'm going to give it to those kids who don't have dinner. Mm. And they'd go, oh, those three kids ended up to be ministers in the Mennonite church. Mm. And that's a much better message than saying, finish your dinner because there are kids in Africa. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, put it in an envelope. I'd like to see it. Yeah. I'm so convenient. He's like, he was like, oh, like going to Africa and seeing these African kids. He's like, I just want you to know that every time I stuffed myself, I did it for you. <laughs> it was so true. Yeah, so true. <laughs> And expose your kids. Let them see it. Don't talk about it. Mm. Let them see it. Mm. Let them s- <laughs> see it. Like, I'm going to show my son. <laughs> 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 Come on, Jacob. <laughs> 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 that's so true because, I, I, I mean, like in Sunday school, it's true. Like, I say, guys, always think, you know, that you have this and, you know, there are people we have to take care of. And I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, like, how do they even... I didn't even know it till like a couple of years ago, you know, like, <laughs> it's such a, <laughs> yeah, maybe like I'm trying to make myself look younger than I actually am, you know. Um, I remember we took year 10s from the Coptic school to Africa. So they were 14 and 15. That changed their lives. I've got a, a young lady that's now, she's just done one year in Sudan. Like she went to Africa and it changed her mm. thinking. Mm. The younger they are, the better you, you've got a chance of really um, putting, instilling things. One of them works for the, you know, does policy writing for the UN. Like, they're so qualified, they mm. blitz me ten times over. Mm-hmm. But it was just opening the door for them. Mm. And then they their purpose came in. Yes, we want to do this. We want to support refugees or whatever it is. I think it's just sometimes frustrating to see like the little things add up because you don't know when that's going to happen. Mm. And that's sometimes why you get frustrated and then you just like drop out and you're like, oh, whatever. Like this isn't working. I'm just going to stop. Like, you know how you're talking about like doing little things every day. Mm. It's hard to see those things because I feel like that comes with like time. Like in retrospect, you say like, mm. oh, okay, there's little things added up. Mm. But now when you're in it, it's so easy to get frustrated and just fall into despair and just be like, oh, whatever. Yeah, like, we're yeah. very... I think our attention span with such things are real, really challenged. Mm. Um, if it's a calling and if you believe in it, why would you give up? Mm. That means if you do give up, then where was it, where was it originating from? Mm. So you weren't convinced in the beginning. Maybe you yeah. thought you could do this or you thought that you could, I don't know, it's not driven from him. Mm. But when it's from him, mm. it's like... 
It's like if I said to you, let's get in the car. I know Christ is going to be at uh, Sylvania McDonald's. You'd come, yes? Mm. It's like the story of St. Beshoy. Mm. All the monks went. If you know, you're, if I say to you, come serve, mm. you will meet him and you meet him. Mm. You will come back the next day mm. because you met him. Mm. Not because there was a trophy or not because there was a tick on a CV. Mm. You know, this is the standard, you know, done Sunday school, done mission, done <laughs> It's like, mm. yeah, right. Um, it, it's for him, not for you. There's the yep. big difference. Yep. And then it doesn't matter. Mm. And some doors do close mm. and then others open. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got used to that. I used to sort of, oh, where's the next dollar coming from? You know, early days. We had nothing, absolutely nothing. And when we rented our first place, it was 300, and f- it was 300 bucks a week. And I thought, oh, we're not going to make this. We all pitched in 50 bucks. And then we got another place and somebody else pitched in. Now we're up to, I think, 10, 12 fully employed social workers, counsellors, you name it. They're mm. paid, they're professional, they're the best in the in the business. Mm. Where does that come from? Mm. You know, mm. he'll, he'll provide. Mm. If it's his. Mm. And if it's not, then... And sometimes he says, turn left. Yeah. What would you say to someone who feels very compelled to just, like, they don't know what it is, but they just know they need to do something, mm. you know, to serve, like, the world or to serve those in need or to serve those who, like, are afflicted or whatever it is. Mm. But then it's, like, the kind of anxiety of um, w- would I be okay, you know, doing it? Is my family going to be okay? Like, do mm. I just, like, quit my job and start this thing? Or, like, you know, what would you say to someone who, like, has that kind of feeling, but then they're kind of caught up in that, like, circle of, you know, life? Where, you know, You'd hope that person has a really good confession father who knows him well. Mm. 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 Yeah, you're not sort of... You, you do need mentoring. Mm. You do. I mean, you know, somebody like Amber Antonius Moros, who... You know, I remember him as a, I had my first confession with him. I was 15. So he's really my, I know him more than my own father who passed away when I was very young. Mm. So I know his, his office and the whole time I've known him, he has a big picture of Africa in it. So he started in Ethiopia, then Kenya. And he'd say, he'd say, make the sign, we're making the sign of the cross over Africa. We're going to, and I go, Africa, it's like, you know, (laughs) what, what what are you talking about? Over 45 years, Cairo to Cape Town, he's literally, it's all there from east to west, north to south. His confession father was uh, Pope Shenouda Mm. when he was a young man. And, you know, he had a job. He was a pediatric uh, orthopedic surgeon. And from a very poor family... And the parents had got him through and all the rest. And he got a government job. And then he said, I want to go to Africa. And they go, Africa. Parents like, no way. I'm not going to Africa. You just got through university. You've got this government job. Like, you've got it. And anyway, the government's not letting anybody out of Egypt anyway. Mm. And then he got his visa to Ethiopia. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. You've got to have mentors along the way and good confession fathers who, mm. who can guide you. Mm. You're not going to go haphazardly. 
But if the calling's there, there will be no pyramid in front of you that you will not climb. Mm. <laughs> and that may not necessarily mean overseas. I mean, like, absolutely. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. People think I only talk about Africa. Heaven's sakes. No, here is good. Mm. Here's very good. In fact, God knows we're very lazy too. Like we go overseas and it's money and it's effort and you leave your family and whatever. Especially in Australia, God has brought the world to us. Mm. And where is that in Australia? Where is the whole world? Universities. Mm. Up till COVID. But it'll come back. <laughs> so we have the whole world in our universities. We don't have to buy a ticket. We're, you're all there. Mm. The universities are hotspots for the world. Hotspot for, like, to serve or hotspot to, like, evangelize? Yeah. Mm, I, I, there's different schools of evangelism. For me, it's grassroots. It's community service. It's I, we do this because we know our God and we want to make your life better and we want to serve you. Come on board with that. That's how we work. Mm. Some people go out and evangelize and preach, and it works too. Um, I've seen m all of it. In Africa, you see all of it, mm. from that to that. It's, it's not as it seems. So community service, community development, um, schools, education, food programs, um, empowering people – and them, them being enlightened by why you did this is because of him. What's that like me? Like mm. I said, you've got something I want. And they, they do say that and they do seek it. Mm. That works too. Mm. Evangelism works too. But what you don't want is flash in the pan stuff. You don't want, oh, yeah, let's baptize 50 people and then you don't see them next week. Mm. Mm. That's, not, that's not it either. But it could be, you know, could be. Maybe they go away and they find something. I don't know. Mm. So there's lots of different uh, genre of mm -hmm. mission. Yeah. Whenever we have someone, you know, who like serves in the community or is very involved in our community, I generally like to ask them, you know, if there's something that they would like to say to the community. Um, mm. You know, hopefully the few listeners that, you know, are listening to us. Um, <laughs> you know, is there something that... Whether it's uh, something that we could do better or something that we're doing great or, like, just a message or something like that, you know, in terms of your perspective. Because, like, I, I do feel some kind of obligation to support those at least. If you're not going to do anything yourself, then at least support those who are doing something. So is there something you'd like to say to our community to kind of, you know, serve somehow with you? To our Coptic or, or community? To, I, guess, I guess so, but to, I mean, to everyone, I guess. So, yeah, maybe more specifically, you know, our Coptic community, because maybe that's the bulk of the listeners. Mm. Um, but then this is something for everyone to listen to. So there will be, like, non-Coptic listeners as well. They say that volunteers, there's an element of happiness that comes from volunte volunteering. This is a, it's research and it's, yep. it's a truth. And volunteering really is service. So if you serve, and every one of you know that when you serve, you actually end up serving yourself. Mm. I mean, people that go to Africa and come back and they go thinking they're going to do something and they come back with much more. So enrich your life, not because you've got more money or you live in a big house or you have the right car or you've got the right 
branded clothing. Serve because you are going to be a happier person and you are going to enlighten people and other lives and you're going to meet people that are just going to blow you away. Mm. Do it because of that. And be... I, you know, I can't promise you enough that if you step out to serve in the right spirit, not for the trophy and not for the CV, mm. but because you've been called to a particular thing, you have a purpose, you can, you know, and you go, you will meet him. You know, we all look at the, the, the story of Peter walking on the water and think, yeah, right, that's never going to be me. That's, you know, this is a real impossible one. It's when we get out of the boat of the the easy stuff and what we can provide ourselves with, like hanging onto the boat and you know I'm safe in here. Mm. When we step out of the realm of the out of the realm of the poss- impossible, possible, step into the realm of the impossible, and you suddenly walk on water, and you think, oh my God, I, there he is! Like mm. this is all happening below me, and I can't feel it. Mm-hmm. You want that feeling? Serve. How can we want that. How can we serve? Like, how can we volunteer? Like, in general, are there, like, organisations out there? Are there, like... Hundreds, like, thousands. Like, yeah. There's more charities in Australia per, per person than any country in the world. We have some ridiculous, like, one non-for-profit, one charity for every hundred people in Australia. Wow. It's crazy. Whoa. Yeah, it's out, insane. Mm. Yeah, and we're good at that. We're we're generous people. Mm. You know, the fires, the, you know, we step in. It's the underdog type, the Anzac story. Mm. Throw the Aussies in first. Yeah, they'll do it. They'll mm. get it done. We're good at that. Mm. So find something, something that speaks to you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a church religious organisation at all. It, it can be like just anything that serves other people. Mm. Or is there an ideal? Well, like, flip the lens around and say, why do why do I want to serve, and who who is it that I want to serve, and with and if it's not him, if it's not Christ, then keep asking yourself, is this the right place? Mm. Mm. So you don't necessarily have to meet Christ through a church organization. Mm. No, yeah. absolutely not. Mm. You could be the, uh, you know, Athanasius. Mm. Like he was in a church one, church community, but when he was in that room with the 300 and other 15 bishops, he was definitely not <laughs> in the <laughs> right. Like he was like, no, you're all wrong. Mm. You're wrong on this one. Mm. So look at, um, have you read the wonderful book? It's It's a textbook of his grace bishop Suriel on uh, saint habib gurgis oh no that came out recently but no i haven't it's a textbook mm. and if you're interested in that sort of thing like it's saint habib gurgis now yeah mm. well it wasn't then mm. he was really attacked and it gives me great pleasure i, I love the story he's always <laughs> been a patron saint of mine because I, everyone goes oh you can't do something different yes i can look mm. yes somebody else has done it mm. And so he had even the Pope of the time against him. Mm. It's a fascinating read, fascinating story. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was a church, but 
he probably didn't think of it at the time. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. Is there, like, how can we, like, support Exodus? I mean, is there, obviously, you know, funds is a way that, like, can help um, if people want to donate or if people want to serve. Like, is there anything that our listeners can do to help you? It, yeah, absolutely. So you can, the first answer is definitely pray for us because we are in the, in a war zone mm. all the time. Mm. Um, you can cook a meal once a year and ring us up and say, I'm bringing food in. We feed a lot of people, mm. people that uh, can't go home. There's a nice story where a girl uh, was living, because we have refuges, so we have young people living in group homes. We have to find food for that. A lot of them can't cook. And uh, we have a community meal every Monday together, and we get molchea made. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you think it's funny. It's actually like a vitamin pill. Mm. Really? Yes. People, the kids ask for molchea. And I thought that was uh, because, you know, they're Egyptian. Mm. So we do it anyway. And one night, this girl was eating, and she was 16, 17, and really terrible, terrible life. And she said to me, you know, this food tastes like love. Because she remembered it from a time when she sat at the table at home, Mm. and it was a Sunday lunch. Mm. We put out orders of mulchea all the time. (laughs) Okay. So yes. if we have any tons of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, if you can drink a cup of tea and listen, that is a good that is a good donation. Mm. We have people that just walk in, make a cup of tea, sit for an hour, chat to ever, whoever's in the building, and then leave. Because there's a lot of informal counselling that goes on. And you can imagine, it goes from 7.30 in the morning, sometimes to 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm. You imagine I'm fried. <laughs> so people coming in and sitting and talking is um, it's amazing. Mm. Yes, the donations. Without the donations, we don't open. Bottom line. So that's also appreciated immensely. Um, Kiro's shaving his beard off. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's going to be exciting. <laughs> so he's got a campaign on Facebook, you know, and that money is going towards another social worker. Mm. We need to find a whole wage. Yeah, it's insane. Mm. He doesn't yeah. want to shave that off. <laughs> yeah, I saw him on Sunday. It was like straightened. It was neat. It was tidy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I'm going to collect it all after it's shaved off, and then I'm going to take a photograph of him and I'm going to stick it back on, <laughs> and I'm going to put it on a frame downstairs. <laughs> so it will be with us. That <laughs> that beard. <laughs> it's a very expensive beard. Um, what else? Um, we col- we get really good donations. We get food donations and clothing and furniture. So when we have to set up another house or a family coming from Egypt or refugee family, we can we have a place we store it and we just pull it out when we need it. F- a lot of clothing and medicines might go to Africa because um, our offices are in need of both things. Oh, so you have several offices? Yes. Ah, we're global. Daniel. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's right. You <laughs> didn't mention it. You didn't yes, mention it yeah. earlier. I remember yes. overseas, but Africa, I, London. Yeah, 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 yeah. London's a year and a bit in now. I, I, I didn't know it was ex. I thought it was like just those mission trips that the church does. No, oh, Exodus. wow. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Okay. Nah. We've been in Africa a long time. So our office, we have a drop-in center. We have young people that come out of the um, colored townships and the black townships, and. Uh, 
<laughs> even for them to get to our centre, they might get shot at every day. Oh my yes, one of them lost, we lost um, a mother just uh, last week. So, yeah, it's pretty tough. Mm. Again, but awesome. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome young people. Awesome young people. Mm. So we put them through an education uh, program and also we feed about oh, roughly about COVID's put a bit of a hiccup in it, but normally we would feed about 200 kids a week from that centre. Mm. Um, and taking young people that have no li- really tough lives mm-hmm. and no purpose and turning it around and making them the volunteers of Exodus and sending mm. them back in mm. to their community. Mm. That's, what, that's what it's about. Yeah. Mm. It's not just, you know, you give a, f- a man a fish and he eats for the day, but teach him to fish. Mm. So we, you might have, we try and get 12 students a year and we get them through uh, the matricula- matriculation, HSC. Mm-hmm. So in South Africa, if you don't have your HSC, you will never even get a job uh, collecting trolleys at the local coal store. Mm. You need that piece of paper for everything. Okay. So we concentrate on them and then we can see that their family will benefit from that Mm. and they stay with us Mm -hmm. for some time, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We've now got kids. I've got kids that were this big who are now fathers and running NGOs on their own inside a black township, Mm. which is not easy. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. And could professionals volunteer their profession? Like, for example, do you need, like, teachers? Do you need, I don't know, like, I'm just making things up, like, accountants or, like, salespeople? Or, like, (laughs) you know, do you need to, like... (laughs) So, if people are professional, they could also volunteer their time for Yeah, we can actually hook you up on a Zoom and a Zoom meeting with those students, and you can talk about sales... Yeah. <laughs> you invent you you bring the world to them because they're stuck in a imagine you grow up we've realized over many years that you can do a lot of work inside a village or inside a township but if you don't expose them to the rest of the world there is no vision mm. to get out of they'll be born grow up marry die in that township mm. or in that village if it's mm. outside of South Africa what you want is a, a better life and mm-hmm. a life worth living for them and a safe life. You've got HIV. One in three people in South Africa, look at every, each one of us, would be dead in 10 years. Mm. So, you know, you there's a lot of stuff to be done. So, uh, you know, you can talk to them. Talk to them about your life. We bring the world into that place. Mm. And then sometimes we bring them here. Mm. And then they... They don't not to live. They must serve their community. So we'll get them training. We do what we can and then ship them back. Mm. And we mm. tran- cross the world in and out <laughs> all the time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, Muna, we can make like um, some kind of like on our Facebook page, Instagram. Yeah, like, So mm. like for the ton that wants to make the monachia, yes. how, how does she like, or him, <laughs> um, you know, as well. Um, how website, do they- website, it's all there. There's a form yeah. you fill out. It gets, it's very professional. <laughs> it goes into the volunteer department around the corner of my office. Somebody processes it and then gives you a call and says, Molochair on the 16th of November, please. <laughs> and uh, bring your halla and whatever. And <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's that website? ExodusYouthWorks.org.au. Okay. That's where Okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll put find it up on Facebook's always there. Yeah. Yep. Um, like this morning, so we have a liturgy. Father Sam does a liturgy at 
uh, Exodus every week. Mm-hmm. And after that, there's food as usual. Every Egyptian, there's food. Every Egyptian, mm-hmm. event, there's <laughs> got to be food. So people just come just, it's a one-hour liturgy. They come in, they eat, they hang out, and then they disappear. Everyone mm. goes to their work or goes out, or mm-hmm. but another bunch of people come through. and mm, It's lovely. Food's great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And in terms of donations, that link is also on... Yes, you can go straight to donate. It's on the, it's on the page. Or PayPal, and it's tax deductible, and it's very much appreciated. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, awesome. yes. Thank you. That's nice of you. Thanks, yeah. No, no, no. It's it's like our duty. No. Seen it? Do you want yeah. anything to say? No. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up. All right, Debbie, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Sorry for being late and sorry for keeping you late. Thank you. See you guys next week. Oh, yeah. And email. Feel free to. Email. So, purpose at upperroommedia.org. Spelt out. Yeah. And also Instagram, which is um, the Upper Room Media page. Yeah. Okay, cool. I have that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> and uh, please also don't forget to you know like serve by any means you know exodus and contribute whether it's financially or as Debbie mentioned time or your service or your profession whatever it is like this is like like yeah if you're not doing it which is our duty then at least you know let's let's help her out thank so, you yeah, thanks, thanks guys. for that